mix him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Biggest concern with today's two-hour skate. Bruins won four in a row. Cranky Kalman is actually well-rested, so we actually get <laughs> Matt Stradamus today instead of the vicious Kalman that we really have come to know and love on this program. Hey, good morning to Dougie Hamilton. I'm sure he's up listening right oh, now. Oh, good. Is that going to get you going? Oh, yeah. A little Dougie uh, Venom. Pete Blackburn is here, CBS Sports. Of course, he has not made the Open yet, but he will before the season ends. That I guarantee. I doubt it. Uh, you, okay. Don't doubt that. It's going to happen. One of these weeks. I want to start off here. We uh, had two games to react to this week. One was the Game 6 closeout in Columbus, the 3-0 shutout. And, of course, Game 1, the Bruins take a 5-2 win. Signature moment of Thursday's win. Was it Thursday? Yeah. Thursday night. What's the lasting memory for you guys from the win? Just kind of want to pick your brain here in terms of uh, how you viewed this game. I think this will reveal a lot. Just off the top, off the off the cuff, because it's better that way. Calvin, what's, what's the... It's just- well, it goes back to what I've been thinking for a little while here. This Bruins team, there is no memorable moment because they just go out and win win the game. There's no ma- there's answer. no magic here. This, this is going to sound bleak, but I think the one for me is uh, Char taking the shot off the foot. Ooh, yeah. well, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, I, just, I think it was the most concerning, and it stuck with me. Uh, and just all the tweets about whether he's on the bench, whether he's not on the bench, <laughs> he's back on the bench. It just it stuck with me. Did you tweet about that, Calvin, at the game? Whether no. Char was back at you know you. You actually didn't like tweet at all during the game. I don't follow the crowd. I watch the game. People right, don't watch. Your job people, is to interact with people, the fans. People it was are the buried worst in possible Twitter. sequence because he didn't come out to start the second period. Right. But then he came out five seconds after the first, the second period started. I think it was actually right before five seconds before it started. So everybody was, yeah. had already sent out their Char is not on the bench to start yeah, the right. second <laughs> tweets, and then he and then they had to send out their Oh Char is on the bench to start the second. What? Why was he late? What do you do during a, a period? If you take a shot off your ankle or whatever, do you take the skate Mr. off and have like yeah, ice it up? Regrow or? another foot. Okay. Mister Miyagi was in there. Come on. A TB12, uh, Alex yeah, Guerrero? Absolutely. Rubbing, Rubbing some down. lotion on there or something. All right. Well, uh, that's interesting. Char- but Chara was not really a story of the game, though, right? I mean, by by the end of it, although McAvoy didn't play, so I guess he had a little more spotlight on him. He's got a new partner and all that. The story of the um, game is Dougie Hamilton melted. Yeah. I, I, see, that's what I... That's, he had a meltdown. To me, that's the takeaway. But you actually wrote about Marshan being a good guy after the game, as many oh, yeah, people Mar- did. There, that is. That's a one that's of a many. Monu- yes. Monumental moment. Him. So, like in the right after the game, that's kind of what you were thinking, or the quote Absolutely. was too good that you had to write well, about it. The quote was, "I didn't know the quote was going to be too good because I didn't know he was going to talk to me, and only talk to me after that game." And oh, I, got I meant the quote. I meant the Cassidy quote. Oh, the Cassidy quote. Yeah, the <laughs> A, the A Marshy turning over New yeah. Leaf A Marshy. Yeah, no, that was good too. But what was the what was the quote that? Oh, he just said, "You know, you, I'm not usually you don't usually see me in that position." <laughs> that's what it said, and we all know that. That's why we're talking about it. And the reference there is, of course, uh, early third period, two one deficit. Jordan Stahl, boarding penalty. Marshan gets in the way and prevents retaliation from his team. And the boarding penalty, I, I saw I saw everyone in Toronto was calling for a suspension after that, you know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Actually, it, it's become the other way. The The bigger talker for us Friday on Mutton Callahan was the officiating and whether those calls needed to be made at all. And Don Cherry was on with us, and he kind of supported. Uh, <laughs> Did you have a translator with him? Yeah, we had a translator. But, but I mean, he's an old school guy, so where do you expect he's going to go? But he was of the mindset that it's just the, the NHL these days, and particularly in that game, uh, it's become too soft. I guess. I think if Carolina is complaining it. about the officiating in that game, then they're out of their minds because they were they committed so many more penalties than they were called well, that they I, got away with it. You can't call everything, and they got away with it. 
I think they they have a gripe in the third period, but if you look at that game as a whole, it was bad both ways because uh. the first couple periods, the Bruins were getting victimized by soft calls. The first shift of the game, Fogel decked Krug away from the puck, should have been interference, and they didn't call anything. See, so I didn't think that. that's the tone. I most egregious non-interference call was the one at center ice on Corrali, which right. ended up somehow ends up in a Bruins power play <laughs> that they score on. So that's, that's maybe the, the you most You thought that should have been called? At center ice? Absolutely. Because Corrales backing away. Yeah, I, I think it was a collision. I didn't I think it was so a penalty. Too. I thought incidental contact. I thought they got it, that it, one right. Sure, but he still decked him at center ice. He's back to the play. It's interference. So it's, just, it's his fault he's in the way. you got to find a way to, to avoid the Pretty contact Pretty much. There. You just can't run a guy from behind. So I don't know. And the, the one they didn't call, Martian had a stick broken on his back at some point, which yep. I also thought was sort of incidental And then there was contact. one where the, some guy was riding on Chara's back while he tried to get the puck out from behind the net. A real, uh, a real greasy game from Jordan Stahl, because he is the guy who, who cross-checked Martian in the back. But any, any doubt, that's a penalty, right? Yeah, no. That's a penalty, right? Stahl's boarding. Absolutely. Uh, but with the way that they've the been numbers. calling these playoffs, who knows? It's all over the place. Yeah, the NHL is now facing uh, a terrible bad rap of the officials <laughs> and the replay booth can't get their heads out of their asses and have no idea what they're doing. I mean, not only the Vegas penalty would you know in Game Seven with San Jose, but the Colorado uh, review uh, <laughs> after McKinnon sets up. I still don't uh, understand what happened there. Wilson, so. don't ask me. And Landeskog didn't get off the ice soon enough. Yeah. He had one skate on the ice, and they're going with a fine tooth comb over you know to take it off the board. That's a game seven. It tied the game at two. Instead, it's taken off the board, and, and Colorado loses game seven. Well, we have so this review because Montreal got screwed once, and now you know we all have to live with it. So it's it's completely against the spirit of the offside call to to look at that play, a guy that's a hundred feet away from anything of importance happening, and take away a goal. It's 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 everything I hate about the offside reviews. I think most people agree with you there, and. It would stand to reason the NHL would draw back on this then and go less review on offsides plays. Is that going to happen? Think, but it seems like the league is just more replay. We want more replay. We want replays for major penalties. If if you could take away offside review penalties and give it to major penalty review, I'm all for that. But they won't let you review, for instance, the McAvoy hit, which was a one-game suspension, and they have no ability to call a major penalty on it. So it's a two-minute minor. Now, why can't you review that? If you can review everything else, I mean, I'm, you know. If we if we're just out review the whole game. Two-minute minors, absolutely <laughs> I mean, not. No, thank you. Okay, but in that case, at least they should change the rules so there's an ability to call a major penalty on a, yeah. on a headshot, right? For sure. So that's one change that could be coming. You could, you could, so you're, so you're going to take that headshot, so-called headshot, and you're going to, what are you going to do? You're going to review it and you're going to slow it down and look at it and, and, and determine intent. The whole point of the major would be like an intent to injure, not a hockey play gone wrong. So you're going to watch. How many times are you going to watch the replay to change your mind about it? I don't. I just. No, I don't think you I review intent it. to injure. I just think you review: is it a headshot? Is it a shot to the head? Which is. But you already just, said there's no major for that. But there should. But there be. should if, there, be. if there's any penalty in the book that should have these guys a provision just, for a major, these guys to check just the head. Play. What was the call? Was it charging or boarding? I don't even was, remember. Well, no, it could be. Head. It was head because there That's was right. no That's elbow. Right. There was no charging. There were no other calls that guy could make. Idiot. So it's obviously hit the head because there's no major for it. But um, yes. Yeah, so okay. So the the NHL has a problem, at least a perception problem, that they reviewed too much, and then they also now are are developing, at least among some circles, a perception that they're calling too many penalties during. The playoffs. I mean, Carolina fans felt that way, I'm sure. Rod Brindamore was kind of squawking about it a little bit. I mean, he admitted that they have to kill those penalties off. Uh, Dougie Hamilton basically said, neither of the calls against me were penalties at all. Yeah. 
which is he elbowed back in the head on the second one. So I don't know what he's complaining about there. But uh, here's do we have Don Cherry? This is what he said uh, when he was on with us on Friday on Mutton Callion. Well, there was so much whining and uh, after the first week uh, by the media, you know, don't let this go. You got to call more penalties, and so they call more penalties now. And and you don't you like as a coach, you don't know you don't know what to expect. You your heart's in your mouth. Are they going to call a a retaliatory or? I mean, the penalties last night. I, to me, the penalties would never be called, uh, say, twenty, thirty years ago. But now they're calling them a uh, little hook here, a little hook there. It reminds me of the regular season, but they make it exciting. And I guess people don't realize that hockey, hockey uh, in, uh, in the playoffs is supposed to be war, and, it, and it's there. not. So your reaction there to Cherry? I mean, as much as I like to make fun of that guy, he he makes decent points like my my only complaint is you can call it like the regular season just call it like the regular season in every single game it's just way too inconsistent at this point and he makes a good point where if you're a coach you have you come into a game not knowing what the hell is going to be called for you or, or how you're going to be able to to play and get away with things that's an absolute fact i, I, w- I would guess if you pulled every coach in the they would say I, every night i have to go in and kind of gauge based on who the officiating crew is and how the game starts how the game is going to be called true I mean, it, it, I, I'm not going to formulate opinion until Damian Cox tweets about it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> okay, so here we go. So now, well, I I don't even remember what he tweeted about this week that you got. He wants about. us oh, to ig- he wants us to ignore Marshant. Yeah, we should oh, just go. We should issue. go in the room and turn our back on him. Okay, now you're taking us on a tangent. Keep, no, the the yeah. Marshant segment is later okay. with Tuka Puka. Right. Just, <laughs> just save that. No. Um. Then there's Steve Dangle who thinks that the Bruins are ruining hockey. Oh really? Yes. Oh, well, I hope so, we have Toronto. Full poopy pants. <laughs> Here's Brenda Moore, who yeah. talked about, he held his tongue as best he could after the game, talking about the Dougie Hamilton penalty. Um, do you have any thoughts on Dougie Hamilton's interference penalty? Which one? <laughs> the first one. Uh, there's no point com- commenting on that. I mean, I, they were penalties both ways, I thought, were called and not called. So, I mean, there's no point in getting in and officiating. Chris, front left. Did you think Dougie was playing on the line tonight to, to get those penalties? or? Well, he's playing on the edge. We all were. I mean, not me. But, I mean, the guys were, um, you know, he was trying to be engaged and, and maybe he took it too far. And so I haven't really even looked at him. I was frustrated as, as everybody on some of the calls. But, again, I think uh, that, you know, we got to kill him. We take penalty, we got to kill him. We didn't do that. Up front in the middle. So, by the way, who was that asking the question first? You you had a visceral reaction to the female voice in there. I did not have a female. Oh. It had nothing to do with it being a female voice, oh, okay. Ken. Who was Where it? are you trying to go with this? I don't know. I just I thought it was our reaction. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so Brenda Moore there, you know, talk. He, he, he's upset about it, but he's holding his tongue. He's, he's not going Tortorella. And you know what, too, with the roughing penalty? I always say you don't know what led up to it. He might have been warned to keep his arms down, to, to not do what he, was, what he did, and uh, he didn't listen because he's Dougie, so. The yeah. roughing penalty. Now he, he so he got caught with interference and also with oh you mean the the elbow to the head. Well, the roughing was the one was the first was the was the first one. This is the second one. Oh, okay. Second one was away from the play and and that one. The more I looked at it, it wasn't an elbow, but it was one of those reverse hits that was completely unnecessary. There's something about Dougie Hamilton that he just refuses to play the puck when he goes into the, uh, along the boards. Right. You can't stop short and elbow a guy. But people have been getting away with that in these playoffs, and they haven't been calling them. Those reverse hits, which, in my opinion, they shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to throw those. Right. Do you want that in the game? I mean, no. There's a whole, there's there's a whole no phrase way. of playing the puck, taking a hit and playing right. the puck in, in the NHL. And, and there's no way that the, right? the trailing player can defend themselves on those hits. Correct. 
Uh, and and you, obviously you don't want headshots in the game, whether that actually hit him in the jaw or wherever. Here's Hamilton after the game. He was in denial mode. Didn't just, I didn't agree with either, so um, not much else to say. It's the game's over now, and uh, nothing you can do about it now. How much did that just kill your momentum for you guys? Yeah, for sure. I think we're we're playing a, I guess not bad game, but uh, had the lead in the third and took some penalties and gave them the lead. So tough to come back from that. I feel like this was called tighter than your normal playoff game, the way they say, you know, refs let thing go. Do you think it was tighter than that? Not going to comment on the refs. Well, you know, that, Is, that's the signature sequence of game. Was it that much tighter, though, called? I mean, there was, what, four power plays one way, two? The, it's not that much tighter. Bruins were two for five. The Canes were one for three. Maybe There maybe, were a lot of penalties. Maybe if you, maybe from Raleigh, if you haven't watched a game, you know, starting April 1st, you started watching the games, maybe then you'd think it was tighter, but I didn't think it was tighter. I, I don't really want to see a bunch of power plays in a playoff game. Uh, just as a general rule, I don't think that makes it more exciting. I'd rather see the free flow and... and Like Don Cherry said, it's supposed to be war. I generally agree with that, but the other end of it is, before the lockout, there's a reason they had a lockout. They changed rules. It was so tough for stars to get any time and space. If you start letting this stuff go, you're just going to have guys getting mauled. And even the one call in the game was when Martian got slashed on the hands, and they called it. Do you want want even those kind of plays in the game? No, no, you you don't want guys. I mean, as much as I love to see the swallow whistles and things like that and not see – Penalty after penalty after penalty. You don't want to see your own stars getting slashed in the hands all game. Right. Right. So, and you have to set a tone. It's a balance in, in general, even though the officials change. I'm, I'm assuming they change for today's game. Right. You know, you set a tone early in a series as to how, you know, you're going to have, have the series go. All I'm asking for is a little consistency. Consistency. Call yeah. it the same way throughout. Right. But that, there's, uh, to me, there's no doubt that uh, it turned the whole sequence of the game. Maybe the Bruins would have taken over anyway in the third period. They've been. They were getting dominated in the second. They were getting dominated midway through the second. I would say late second they started to come alive a little bit, and they carried it over. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't just assume without those penalties the Bruins are going to come back and win the game. So to start us off here on Sunday Skate, what do you think about the officiating, in particular in Game 1 and through the playoffs, 617-779-7937? Did you even say Happy Mother's Day yet, Ken? I didn't, but I've been waiting because Maria in Watertown is All in right. early today, and I'm assuming she's got stuff to do. So we say Happy Mother's Day to Maria, and we just let her give her the floor, right? That's absolutely that's the best way to do it. That's her present. Day. Good morning, Maria. Thank you, thank you. I I do have stuff to do. I'm getting ready for my traditional Mother's Day round of golf with my kids. All right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, a beautiful uh, afternoon of uh, watching Bruins hockey and hopefully topping it off with a win. Um, with regard to the officiating. My assessment, my professional assessment is that it's been one big bucket of poop throughout <laughs> the playoffs. And for, for, for those people who are labeling um, Boston fans as whiners, I, I do take exception to that because this fan just is asking, as Pete said, for consistency. Just if, if a penalty is a penalty in one game, then call the penalty in the next game. You know, slew footing someone is a penalty as far as I can see in the rule book, you know, and that's all we want. I think fans, savvy fans, are just reaching a boiling point with the lack of consistency with the officiating. And if this is the best of the best, then, you know, I'm saying bring back the two officials who were suspended, sit them all down in a room. And have them take a look at Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, 
can the refs put their whistles away all the time? No, but I think that's a good starting point for watching how officials get out of the way and allow the players on the ice to dictate the outcome of the game. That's number one. Number two, um, Dougie Hamilton, I, you know, if this kid is at some point going to fulfill his potential, which was really high when he first came into the league, I wanted him to be a Bruins franchise defenseman. He's got the tools. He's got the skills. He's got the size, but this kid doesn't want to get hit. And I think that's what happens when he goes in the corners. He turns around to see what's coming at him because he doesn't want to get hit. And that's when he gets frustrated is when you take a shot at him. And I think if the Bruins can, you know, target him and keep pounding him, he's going to melt as he did the other night. Connor Clifton, I'd like to see a little bit more of this kid. I think he's, he's played very, very well, um, better than I expected him to play. And then a question for you guys. What happens to the Bruins in the second period? I, I don't understand why they consistently are struggling in the second period, trying to get out of their own end. I, I get the long change, but at this point, haven't we been able to figure this out yet? Um, just your thoughts on that, and I hope everyone has a happy Mother's Day who's out there listening. Thanks for the time, guys. Thanks, Marie. Happy Mother's Day. Excellent points, as always. Do uh, you want to shelve the second period discussion for later, or we, we can get to that now? Uh, I saw the Globe wrote about it. It's, it is interesting. They, they, I guess let's get to it. They are minus one in goal differential in the second period through the playoffs, despite being plus 15, and Pete was spitting out goal differential stats before we even came on the air today. Uh, that the Bruins are actually lead the NHL in the playoffs in goal differential by far the, of the remaining the teams. Second highest team uh, is the, the Hurricanes, and they're plus six. The Bruins are plus fifteen. So Cassidy was asked about this, right? And he basically he he talked yeah. about the three forwards changing together as one issue. I, I fell asleep. I mean, if it was in the <laughs> if it was in the Globe, good for the Globe. But I have no no interest in the who cares the second period. Well, I mean, you look at what's a minus one. You said. I mean, they haven't but really been, they haven't and, really been burned a, by and this. A minus thirty shot difference. Well, that's. That's I mean, the thing. You said they haven't been burned by this. They've been playing terribly in the second period, and they're still staying in games. That's where Tuka Rask has done largely right. his best work. Right. I yes. mean, that's the it's reason. The, it's the ebb and flow of the game, and you know that you're going to get the teams. Like, well, the Cassidy one, the said one that, you, actually. The one thing Cassidy you did say is interesting that. is that they get off to good starts, yes. and then clearly the other team has to respond, and that's the second period. I mean, this isn't a major storyline of the uh, – it's, it's called two days off between games and let's let's really dig deep into But this if your goalie's not, not playing like an elite goaltender, that's when you can lose games. Yeah, right. Lose control of those games. And that's why Tuka's been so valuable in these playoffs. Right. After the Greg McKegg goal made it two to one, that whole two to three minute sequence afterwards, I mean Carolina just owned the the, the Bruins. They were working them really good, which is why Pete threw out the tweet last night, kind of I'm sure it's sort of tongue in cheek. Is it too early to declare the series over and and the Bruins sweep? And that's kind of what I was thinking after the first game, too, just based on, you know, man, you're Carolina. You have a 2-1 lead. You blow it. Hamilton has a meltdown. Uh, McAvoy's not in the lineup. Right, right. That's the biggest point. And, and McAvoy's not even in there. And you had to have that game with that lead in the third. They didn't. So, but but if you dial it back, this is not a 5-2 game. It's a 2-1 game where the Bruins were outplayed through two periods. Right, so it's it's, it's well, you can't not, you, you can't not say in the first period. Uh, it's a pretty good period for them. Yeah, Camper scored early, but uh, it was one, it was a one-one period, right? One-one after one. 
there were it was th- tight. It was there it were was, concerns. It was close. There were concerns after two periods. I wouldn't say that the Bruins were necessarily overly outplayed, but you, there were definitely concerns where you're like, okay, this this is this Carolina team is legit. They were giving the Bruins problems. I would agree with that, and mostly Aho, Teravine, and Niederreiter. Those guys were getting some good chances. Uh, it's not like Clifton even looked terrible. He had like one giveaway early, so you know you could blame it on just McAvoy being out, and you're going to expect some frustration. But anyway, Matt, can you sit here today and say the Bruins are clearly the better team based on that one game? Based on the one game, no. Based on everything else we've seen, yes. To the point of this series is over. This series is going to be four or five Absolutely. games. Four or done. five games done. There's no doubt about it. Well, there you go. Match I mean, they're just, says it's done. They're just that. They're just that much good. They're just that. that, that, wow, that was a good. That was a good sentence. Huh? <laughs> that <laughs> much gooder. We call that a mutt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you also. I mean, if you're looking at Carolina, uh, Peter Mrazek seems to be an issue. If we're looking at that one game, yes, yes. Um, and you know, I, I think that there are positives for them. It, their, their power play getting back on track and the, their first opportunity was a big sign for them. Um, and I think their speed can give the Bruins problems, but you, you said it. I mean, you have to have that game with Charlie McAvoy out of the lineup. Coming into Boston and taking that first road game would have been huge for them. Yeah. Now it's lost opportunity. This is what it comes down to. I, I'm afraid to. You know, I'm afraid to declare that because it, the Celtics won game one against the Bucks, and then everybody looks stupid. This is not and, the Bucks. I agree. And this team was down 2-0 to the yeah. defending cup champions and 3-2 to and came back in both I, instances I in th- round one. I thought you were concerned because Ken Jung wished the Hurricanes good luck. Well, I am concerned about that, as our oh. producer John Anderson Do- told us. Dr. Ken Jung. Viral social media. Hi, this is Ken Jung, a.k.a. Mr. Chow from The Hangover. I just want to wish my home state team, the Carolina Hurricanes, good luck in the playoffs. Toodaloo! Wait, he has to identify like what his we character was seen, in a movie from ten years ago. We haven't even seen the the, the <laughs> rabid Raleigh home crowd at what is it P, P PNC PNC Arena? <laughs> yeah, with a hurricane siren, they still crank that up before the game. I'm they have celebrities sure. did, come uh, in. Did of Vegas steal that from them? Because Vegas has the siren now. Oh, they do. No, I yeah. think Carolina still has it. Okay. Yeah. Because I was down there for the uh, last time they were in the conference finals, and they had Bill Cower down there for one. Oh of the yeah, games. I was down there once. They had Rick, yeah. and they had Rick Flair, you know. Yeah, right. So they bring out the, all the celebrities. It's driver. been loud. It's been loud. I can't wait to. It see. is. It is very loud. I'm not going to take that away from. I them. wonder it's which loud. Hurricanes player is but, going to you know, to prop up how loud the building is. And front running fans is Don Cherry. You see said. Brandon Dubinsky. Oh, was, uh, Brandon yeah, Dubinsky right. still talking about how loud Columbus was? That's true. Columbus had a lot of good phrases, quotes that were like. Amounted to nothing, but they were entertaining. <laughs> a series, series of quotes. I mean, Tortorella dent the goalie and uh, declaring a Game 7 win and Dubinsky. I love how he has to identify himself as as the character from The Hangover from 10 years ago. Like, he's never done anything since then. He was in Avengers Endgame, Matt. Yeah, oh, oh was he? Oh, see, there you Who go. wasn't? That's All true. Right. We can't have Maria and Fred in the same segment, can we? Unless Fred's got stuff to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm teasing Fred ahead to the next segment. This is Sunday Skate. We're on 7 to 9 today. An hour shorter than last week, but... And we're then you got a four-hour four palate cleanser before the Red Sox game. Right. And we're going to warm you up for uh, Bruins and Canes game two today, 3 p.m. start on this Mother's Day. You can join us at 617-779-7937. We're presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. We'll get to Fred and all of your calls, talking officiating, and we'll get more into Dougie Hamilton. What went wrong in Boston? What went wrong for him in game one? Is he just a whiny sob, or is he misunderstood? But first, a uh, trending update. Done. They're just that. They're just that much good. They're just that. that, that, wow, that was a good. That was a good sentence. <laughs> the 
chant of Dougie in the background there, Doc. The chant is Dougie. Doc Emmerich, not the best in business for nothing. They came. I didn't think they would uh, take that long to come, but the Dougie chance did arrive midway through the third period. More reactionary than I thought. I thought first period it was going to be merciless, but it really wasn't that way, was it? It's not, and it's just the, the way the nature of the fan these days. They're too busy getting in their seats, eating, drinking their $15 beer. They have to be you know, prompted on the board to say stuff, and, and then, that, then it finally came around when he got involved a little bit. They should have been booing him. They should have been all over him from the start. But this is a problem for Dougie Hamilton because he almost escaped. Then he had to make himself the story of game one with two bad penalties, although Pete defends him on the boarding penalty. And then can't own no, up the, to uh, it. The, uh, the interference. Back has touched the, the puck. Penalty, yes. Back has touched the puck like a second before he got hit. Right. It should have been interference, but it should have, it should have been a penalty, right? I didn't think so. I didn't think it was that in the bad. Face. I thought it was clear interference. Maybe this is part of the problem. We, the three of us have yeah, I mean, I watch opinions on ga- every play. games a year, and <laughs> I have no idea what the rules are. <laughs> Officiating changes every game. And you got two refs out there who are – the game's obviously moving fast. I, I don't, it's maybe just impossible to officiate cleanly this sport. But anyway, that's the way it went. Hamilton's a story. Is he going to be rattled going forward? Oh, he's absolutely rattled. Uh, did you talk to him? I did not talk to him. I don't have to talk to him to know he's rattled. I don't think anybody needs to talk to him. I could take his temperature rattled. from here. But the Bruins would be wise to exploit that in game two today, right? Absolutely. Go right, right in his face. The, right right the off jump. the first time he catches the puck. Can you imagine that this was the guy? Think how much he saved the Bruins from themselves. They were going to give him, what, the five or six year, six million treatment, and he wouldn't take it from them. What did they offer him? Was it? Is that what the. Yeah, it was one of those kind of not a bridge, but not a. Commitment for life type deals. It was it was up there, and uh, could you imagine this is the guy you were gonna you know see as your heir apparent to Chara as opposed to McAvoy? I mean, think how much he saved them from themselves. You, you got him out of town, and the next year you drafted Charlie McAvoy to redo this. I mean, holy cow! This guy could not be a defenseman you're gonna build around at this point. Another, I mean, t- and it's not just the Bruins. We know Calgary gave up on him quick too. I don't want to mercilessly mercilessly dump on Doug no, because he's. I do. <laughs> What did I get up this morning for? He's a good good player. He's good. I I don't know if I would trust him in these moments. He's good. He's good. He thinks he's better than he is in his own mind, and some teams get tricked into thinking that. Obviously, the Hurricanes not so much because they have kind of cast him maybe in a secondary role here. He's the hockey version of Kyrie Irving, you're saying? Just thinks he's better than he is. If I knew what that meant, I would answer that. I'm not even sure I know what it meant. I just thought it was slick to say. His resistance to, to taking the body... Yeah, in, in the corners and, and, the, and by the boards, in just his his the seemingly the, his mental state in game and the, one. The crazy was not thing ideal. is that this guy used to take the body in junior. Maybe when he was bigger than everybody, he liked to pick on people because he got suspended for that. That still terrible bigger hit. than most people. He's six foot six. Well, yeah, but he's a, he's a toothpick. I mean, he's got a little bit of muscle on him, but he's not really that. Uh, he's not David Backus. He's, like he's not. He's still he's bigger not, than a lot uh, of guys. Patrick Hornquist or something like that. I mean, you get a, a man. I mean, he still doesn't shave, I don't think, Dougie. So he's out there. He's, you know, not, doesn't have much weight on him, and he's going against power forwards in the NHL. He gets scared. So, you know, he still gets his money. And he and when he does go it, to throw a hit, it seems like he's, a lot of the times, it's a bad hit. And you just got to hope that Gerard Brindamore doesn't really believe this nonsense. You got to hope behind the scenes he's saying, Dougie, what the hell are you doing screwing up our game? Now the Bruins traded him for a first and two seconds, which turned into Zach Sinitian, Jacob Forsback, Kirk Carlson, and Jeremy Lazan. Not, none of them are – I mean, JFK has been up and down. but Yeah, I mean, Lawson's going to be a, a top four, top five D next year. Um, Sedition is a, is a waste. Uh, 
what's the oh JFK? I know the waste. The point of the point I'm making. The point <laughs> they, I'm making. They didn't win that trade. Now, the point I'm making here is they didn't win the trade in that they didn't get what they should have gotten for him. I'm saying is that okay? We changed paths. We need another fa- foundational defenseman the next year. It kind of falls in your lap again with no one picking McAvoy, obviously, but. You got to him. You got. You made the right choice because you had. A, you had what the choice between him and the and the kid uh, from BU, or so. Anathan. no. In the next year in the draft, they had another. They had a choice of someone else, another defenseman, and um, the kid that just came out of school, uh, that went to Nashville, and uh, they oh, went with Fabio? Charlie McAvoy. Right. Exactly. They went to McAvoy and they made the right choice, and it kind of put you on the right path. Well, and you're right about if they had spent five point seven five million annual on. Right. Dougie Hamilton, you're locked into that, and that costs you signing other guys down the road. Now, Fluto, I thought, had a really good piece in the Athletic. We've ripped Fluto a couple times throughout the playoffs. I know you, you're not always the big, biggest fan, but I thought this was pretty good. He talked about just defensemen in general and a lot of different capacities, but uh, he mentioned that Hamilton this year had was the second among defensemen in shots with 422, trailing only Brent Burns. So that tells you where... Dougie Hamilton thinks his game is, and I guess Rod Brindamore supports right. it, right? They want to play low to high, and they want Dougie Hamilton to take his shots. He get four shots in game one. Okay. So he fires it. The difference between the way Carolina plays and the way the Bruins play, stay with me here now, 28 shots in game one from Bruins defensemen, only one, sorry, 28 shots from the Bruins, only one came from a, from a defenseman, Steve Camper, his, his goal. goal. Yep. During the season, the Bruins had... 1,294 shots, 5-on-5 five five by defenseman, which was only 19th in the league. Carolina was second most in the league. Basically, the Bruins don't ask their defensemen to shoot much. Yes. Okay, that's... This is true. There's stats to support this. But there's a quote from Cassidy in here when he talks about this, and he, and he mentions in passing that his defensemen, quote, I think they're all on their long-term contracts, <laughs> end quote. Basically saying, I don't have to worry about this. These, I think it's it's a it joke. More of it's a, tongue it's a in joke, cheek. Yeah. But he's saying I might not get away with this if I had guys coming nah. up uh, with big That's contracts in the future because they want to be have it's personal stats rise to the forefront. It's just a joke. Then again, McAvoy's up and needs an extension. But, but let's but face it's just it, the way what's... the Carolina plays though, it's like they're a volume shooting team. They just get pucks on net. They're a big analytics based uh, built team. So they're all about shot attempts. If and Charlie they do McAvoy... work low to high. If Charlie McAvoy would shoot more, no one's complaining about it. No one's going to complain right. to him. They need, they need to get more shots in the D. Actually, yeah, seriously, and, and that's, they need to get uh, more shots. Period. I mean, yeah, that's not it's so, working it's pretty not, well. It's not, I would their, say. it's not their primary option, but they're clearly going to have to do that to, to win the cup. They're going to have to win it, do it to get out of this series. And you need uh, Tory Krug to be more assertive and get more shots, and and Charlie McAvoy too. But is this what Dougie Hamilton didn't want when no, he Dougie Hamilton was Claude the contract? Julian. I know it was Claude. Yeah. Nah. Were they totally different under Claude in, in terms of this stuff? Absolutely. But there was something about Claude's style. The game was like. different. Why didn't he? Oh, he didn't like that Claude contract. would yell at him. You know, he didn't want Claude to get under his skin. And, That's what and it was. It to be a, of course. You also have to consider the fact that Dougie Hamilton was also traded after the trade. Yes. From well, and what's the reason for that? Did Calgary? I don't think say? Calgary liked him. They just didn't like him. Yeah. Well, remember <laughs> he would go to museums instead of hanging out. Exactly. With the team. He's going to museums. The best what kind thing, of hockey player goes the to the best museum? thing you can say about him. I think Brindamore said this is that he's misunderstood. Like that's that's the defense unless of it's, him. unless it's like a museum of the female anatomy. I don't think hockey players should be going there. I don't think guys should be traded for for in, enjoying uh, the finer things in life. But uh, right, I also right. think that at a certain point in time, also, if, you're, if you're not a guy who's well liked in the locker room, a team puts uh, a lot of emphasis on that, and they'll they'll get rid of you. Conversely, if you're a better player, they don't care. And I think Dougie Hamilton's a really, really he, good player. And he just hasn't 
lived up to what he's supposed to be. But overpaid at five point seven five no. million no. per? No, no. That's, that's the that's going a, rate that, for a defenseman right. like him. You're not, you just got to know what you're getting. Probably underpaid for, for as good as he is. I mean, he had eighteen goals this year, so that's pretty good. For, I mean, for I wouldn't. A guy in the you wouldn't want him at five point four hundred and twenty. You wouldn't times. want him at five point seven five on the Bruins because you're trying to. Now you have McAvoy and Carlo, and you have real defensemen that you can build a championship team around. But on any other team, you know, but that's he, fine. But he's paid like a number one, and he plays nah, that's not number really number one money. That's on this num- team, it is. He makes more than Slavin, and Slavin's a better player. Well, Slavin, and when's Slavin up? Is he on his first deal still? No, or? He's, he's signed well, for like a million years. Well, he's a sucker. I think it's a bad contract for him. Right, yeah. it's a bad contract for him, so, you know. And even Falk <clears throat> gets paid less and plays more. So. I don't know. Maybe Hamilton will come back in the series and, and, and have a positive impact, but based on game one, I think he's a mess, and the Bruins are going to exploit that. <laughs> to the, to the Bruins the, are going to go after him, for sure, and they should. <clears throat> Let's go after Fred New Hampshire, or vice versa. Fred is on early on Sunday skate on this Mother's Day, following Maria. What's up, Freddie? Ken, Pete, Matt, morning. Morning. Hey, uh, Dougie Soft. That's all it is about Dougie. He's soft as a marshmallow. <laughs> hey, uh, two two hours. That's all you get. We are at the Eastern Content Conference Finals. Yeah. Get two hours. What the heck? They have to cleanse their realize, palate. Does any people realize uh, the the station down the down the dial there made their their reputation on talking hockey in 2011, and that's how they became what they became. Anyways, uh, the past two series. You know, they lost a the home ice advantage. Don't take the depression lightly. Put, put them away today. Take care of business at home. And, and, you know, you didn't play 82 games to get in this position where you have home ice advantage. You take care of it, please. Okay. Marcus and uh, Charlie, I told you, they'll be naming all kinds of babies. Marcus <laughs> and Charlie. JoJo? The, the uh, game... First game the other night, uh, Marcus's backhand for that goal. Right. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. That was pretty. That wasn't even that's... his best one of the playoffs, though. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't one of the best. Um, now, the other day, the other morning, yesterday, I'm having my Wheaties and beer, right? And I'm reading this guest writer named uh, Luke DeCock. And I'm thinking, yeah, the grammar school recess must have had a good, uh, had fun with this. <laughs> I bet. But, so I'm reading the article, and there's words in it like immutable, surreptitious, vagarous. Oh, it is the global. And, local, and local, local gentry. I'm thinking, what are all the, the Raleigh fans, they all graduated Duke or something? I can't, I'm, you know... I don't want to have my Funkin' Waggle next to me while I'm reading a hockey article. That's why you read I, I, Matt Kalman at EI.com, Fred. He compares Cassidy to Fonzie. He goes, he hits you right where the pop culture most warrants Isn't it. that a great pop culture reference for 2019? It is. It is. I think Pete it doesn't is. even know what the hell Fonzie is. Oh, I sure do. <laughs> Henry Winkler is my, uh, his, he's my guy. Barry, one of the best shows on TV. So, Fred, you think, you, you think they're in danger of uh, lapsing in Game 2 as they've done in previous series? They have it in two previous series, and, I, you know, there's no need to do it. Take take the bull by the horn and take care of it tonight. They're going to. This is, this is, you know, and then they can kiss all their mothers goodnight after this. So right. we, we got we to take care of it. And, um, not we, but the Bruins. And, uh, <laughs> they Take care, guys. All right, Freddie. Be good. Actually, they lost game one at Toronto and one game yeah. two. But game one was an absolute disaster for Toronto. They couldn't hold on to the puck. Right. They're going to take it. And this is what I was trying to say before my grammar was 
hijacked by Mutt, mm-hmm. is this team is just that good. If you look at the standings and you think, well, the Lightning had this historic season, if you take out the fact that the Lightning had this historic season and overshadowed everyone in this league, you'd be talking about this team as as the elite team that it's been in the playoffs. They're just deep in every position. But they win seven games with Toronto, who you thought stunk. Toronto down three stink. two. It's still a play, it's the playoffs and things happen. But we were crushing them when they were down three two. Every little every little Deadwood thing. Johansson, Cassidy's blowing it. I mean, you go through yeah, the litany. He was Deadwood. He was. But luckily, the playoffs went long enough for him to re- to come to life. I mean, he called Dougie Hamilton marshmallow look what, soft. Look, look marshmallow soft. That was the phrase that uh, Milber used yeah. in Game Six. Right. Marshmallow oh, soft for Johansson in front of yeah, the net. Right. And now he's become the story of what well, is it the story? Oh, he is one of the stories for sure. I mean, he's saving their him and Coyle have been yeah. you know they've they've kind of been the only consistent thing this whole playoffs. It's been also, up and down. Won a battle in the third period in front of the net, scored his goal. Yeah, he did. Probably, so. let's talk more about Johansson and the trade deadline guys coming up. It is Sunday Skate presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market with us and uh, with you until nine. Hope you can join us six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We're presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. The other day, the other morning, yesterday. I'm having my Wheaties and beer, right? Johansson in front. He's got to be able to, after the give and go here, he's got to get in front of the goaltender. He can't be off to the side. He has to know what the angles are and plant himself there. Johansson does a flyby. Got to have a bigger presence in front of Anderson there. Freddie Anderson has found a way to catch both of those point shots. And I don't think Marcus Johansson is going to be the guy to be the net front presence. I mean, he's uh, marshmallow soft, actually. Well, that's back from Game 6 against the Leafs. Bruins were down one nothing in the game, 3-2 in the series, and uh, Mike Milbury was just eviscerating Marcus Johansson, as I was at home watching. And uh, we called him Deadwood Johansson, I think shortly after that game, or before, I can't remember. But uh, things have turned. Boy, have they turned. Marcus Johansson not only scored in Game 7, which was kind of a fluky goal, a bit of a lucky goal. Gardner gave it to him. He had a tremendous Game 1 finish with Coyle in the Columbus series. The tying goal, uh, the backhand assist on the game tying goal, which I think yeah, is what you were referencing absolutely. the last segment, Matt. is unbelievable pass. One of the best That's when I playoffs. called him Magic Johansson. Uh, yes, that stuck. Uh, Did nowhere. not stick. Nowhere, but it's I can't, fine. I can't convince the CBC just to repeat my <laughs> nonsense like some people. And he went from Mojo to JoJo somehow in this whole sequence. He never was Mojo. That's the point. He's JoJo. It's on his sticks. He's JoJo. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't geez. make sense to be Mojo. His name is Marcus. If his name was Morris, then Mojo, but not Mojo. It's JoJo. Johansson's JoJo. And then he assisted on Coyle in the overtime winner. In the overtime winner, yeah. On game one against Columbus and the... Uh, not only the goal, but also at another assist in the first period of this uh, game one went over the Canes on Thursday night. So, were we totally wrong on Marcus? We obviously were totally wrong on Marcus Johansson. Why were we wrong? Was it just a, a matter of circumstance, getting comfortable, the injury? Um, I think, first of all, we've been trained to learn that most of Don Sweeney's deadline deals don't work out. Correct. So, we were just putting him in that basket right off the bat. He was in the, the Rick bat. Nash basket. Then he gets blown up, and you just don't know if you're going to come back from a a lung injury like that, and obviously then he got sick. We don't know if that was related to the injury or he really got sick. He wouldn't kind of divulge how bad it was when I talked to him about that, and then he just didn't look good. He didn't, he looked lost out there. I also think that he didn't have a solidified spot in the lineup, so right. you're trying to figure out who he is, where he's going to slot in, and, and what his role is yeah. going to be. I mean, obviously, I guess he came here and deferred to them when they asked if he wanted to play right side, but clearly... Not comfortable on the right side. Didn't want to do it. Maybe should have stood up for himself. Maybe would have gotten a better groove playing the left side on another line without even trying that out. But, you know, clearly, too, the Bruins had to try everything they could in that 
right side because they hadn't solidified it, and they still haven't. I mean, David Backus has been great, you know, in his little bit of time. Coleman had his moments. They're just rotating whatever they have in that spot. They still have not filled that role, and it's just amazing that you still have David Krejci producing the way he is, and I hope everybody who over the last couple of years told me David Krejci has to raise players, you know, production like Sidney Crosby does, I think he's done that. Yeah, I think anybody's criticizing David Krejci at this point in time has not watched the Bruins this year. <laughs> no. It's He's one of their most important players. I, I mean, oh, but I've, you got to trade him, Pete. It's the only way out from under it. you got to trade him. You know I'm huge on Krejci. I thought he should have been their six-man award winner, even right. though that was, you know, yep. I was laughed at because you shouldn't give players like that that kind of an award, I guess. Right. Uh, which is technically true, but just in terms of the Tavares, uh, uh, and you look at the production, the not just this year. You look at the production these past couple of years with with the ro- with the rotation he's had on the right side. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. But Johansson, his best skill, I think, is his vision and his uh, and his passing. Absolutely. The goal that he scored was good net front work. Yeah, but it wasn't like he was like in a fierce battle he, he with Dahan. He but took some hits he uh, did over take the a course of that game. I mean, it was a physical game, and he took some hits in front. He's 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 not. He's, he's not, not soft, he's not, and we've discussed this a million times. He's not going to dominate you in front of the net. He's not going to overpower anybody, but he he's capable of of staying in there, winning some battles, and, and right. He's not marshmallow soft. He's for. not getting bullied and, in front of the net. And what is it? There's there's what at least there's three prominent Swedes in this series. Not one of them is soft. So let's stop. Just well, the Finns. Well, who are the other Swedes? Well, Aho is Swedish, right? Or Walmart Swedish, or is he Finnish? I don't know. No, he's Whichever. Finnish. Aho's a Finn. The point See, is, none of, none of the Scandinavian, none of the Scandinavian guys are soft in this series. That's all I got to say. Yeah, Teravainen and Aho are going to decide this series for for the Canes. They're right. their two best players, arguably. Now they gave a second and a fourth for Johansson, right? One yeah. of the guys that's still alive in the series in the uh, postseason is Gustav Nyquist, who sure. they were reportedly close to, and they might face him in the finals here, the way San Jose is going. I know, uh, Pete, you watch a ton of the Sharks. He's on their top line, right, for the yeah. most part. He, he's been playing pretty well. Uh, or yeah, just he's, kind of... he's fitting well with uh, Couture and, and Meyer. They, that line has been one of the best of the past couple of rounds. The, the work that they did against uh, Colorado's top line, which I think is the best in the league, and they held them. I think that they, they owned like 70% of the goals uh, in that matchup. So that, they've done really great work. There's so, no doubt about would that. you rather have Nyquist no. or Johansson? No. Which Nyquist, if they make the cup finals, that's going to be two seconds. Well, for, first off, I said all along that I wasn't going to really criticize them too much for not getting somebody from that basket of spare mm-hmm. second and third line forwards. But they were obviously, and I, this has been my theory, and no one's, no one's shot it down that I've talked to about it. They were just looking for someone with a little more size because they thought maybe he'd plug next to Krejci. They wanted some size there. So Johansson, a little bit of a bigger player than Nyquist, obviously bigger than Zuccarello. All these guys, that's why he was maybe more of the target. I think the the price for Nyquist was a little less. I think the price was – I think they just traded a second? No, it was a second and a conditional third, So, it, which okay. actually becomes a, another second if they okay. go to the cup final. So, yeah, so it might little, be two seconds. It's a little more expensive. So, more expensive so. for Nyquist. But I, mean, I, don't, right. I don't know if that's what uh, – Yeah, I mean, because they won game seven against Toronto, we could say that Don Sweeney's a genius. If they lose that game, we're, we're throwing him under the bus. But clearly, again, this was a piece. It wasn't a big – a steep price. They needed – a forward with experience. We know, obviously, the postseason track record probably played in here too. He was pretty good for Washington over those years. And but I think so, you, you do have to recognize that he isn't the guy that I think that they wanted when they traded for him. They wanted that yeah. second line right, right wing. Correct. Yeah, they almost absolutely. lucked into yeah. Johansson fitting right. perfectly for what they want him for now. Right. Exactly. And this, that's exactly what yeah, right. And, and you had, and it's because a he got healthy 
and B because they did win. Like I said, if if in the se- if they go out in seven, we're but, saying how come they didn't get somebody to play with Krejci? But I think that it, it, saying that they lucked into it might be a little uh, a little iffy because I think that they're that Don Sweeney wanted guys with versatility That's because true, right. both Coyle that. and Johansson had that versatility. Right. I, he just he didn't want, he didn't want to have playoff games with Carson Coleman as a second line right. right wing. That's all you have to know. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And Carolina, I, we mentioned this on one of the shows, their trade for Nino Niederreiter is is huge. That oh, was yeah. done early. That was back in mid-January, but they traded Victor right. Rask, a young center, but a guy who's got promise. He was a second-round pick. He was signed for long term. Yeah, people were stripping uh, the wild for parts and it worked yep. out for the Bruins and for the, and the Hurricanes. Yeah. So I mean, if there's anything you fear from Carolina the rest of the series, Niederreiter, Teravainen, that line is good. Ajo is obviously good. I don't know if they're good enough to beat the Bruins. I would say no, uh, but they're not embarrassing. They've been great. They've yes, been great yes. this postseason, but you also look at what the Bruins have done against top talent, uh, and there's reason yeah. to believe that right. that line will not kill you. And that goes back to this whole, you know, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, why aren't they going to play right? For all the struggles offensively in, in sporadic games, by the way, because now Marchand leads all scorers in, in points, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this sure. This guy who we're throwing under the butt, or the Kurt Chur passed yeah. him in last night. So he's second in all scoring for all the pressure we're putting on him. How many even strength goals has that line been on for against? I mean, these guys are shutting down some of the top lines on these other teams, and that's a major part of their job. And if you're getting the secondary scoring, that's really all you need. And that's why you've Sweeney has built this team the way it's built. It's not the top-heavy team that we saw last year get, you know, Knocked off by the lightning. I want to talk more about the matchups in this series coming up in our second hour of Sunday Skate. And also, we have to get to DJ Bean, former host of this here program, sticking the knife in and twisting it after that Columbus was series something, win. something about Billy Joel or something? What was uh, it? Not Billy Joel. It was close. Oh. Very close. And we'll talk about Calvin's electric Fonzie story at WEI.com <laughs> in relation to Bruce Cassidy. Matt Calvin is here from EEI.com. Pete Blackburn from CBS at least Sports. All the words you can, at least you can understand all the words. You understood in it. all the words. Indeed. It's Sunday Skate on WEI.